is you know, very superficial. Yeah, contrary to what you believe, I actually think you would make a spectacular <laughs> bachelorette. Welcome to Captain Bagrat Podcast, where I am on a mission with Captain Bagrat to fight boring news in Asia and Australia. You know, it's a tough job, but somebody's got to do it. And as always, we are recording from downtown Chinatown. And today, I've got Sandy. Yay! Hi everyone. Nong hao, nong hao. Oh, what's nong hao, nong hao? It means hello in Shanghainese. Oh, lovely. You know, the show is all about educating yes. different languages exactly. in Asia. Mm. Shanghai, Shanghainese. So your background's in. So I'm an Australian-born Chinese. Uh, my mother is Shanghainese. My dad is uh, from Hong Kong. So Lei Ho as well. Oh, Lei Ho. Ni <laughs> Hao <laughs> is all I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> kind of boring, I know. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so there's something that you and I have a lot in common. That's right. And that is Love Me Batchy. We love The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. We talk about it every time I come into the office. We give each other updates. It's... Uh, it's we even the highlight of my day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I remember watching, um, is it Matthew Agnew? And I just thought, oh my God, what a hunk. So so I remember when I first watched it and I, and I walked into the office and I told all the girls about it. I said, have you watched The Bachelor, you know, this season? And they're like, oh, not really. And I said, did you know he's an astrophysicist? And this is what he looks like. And everyone started paying attention. You know, I think he's the first bachelor that's actually, you know, intelligent. Um, not that they, the others weren't, but intelligent in a more conventional way. And it, it was his well-roundedness that kind of, um, kind of drew you to the show. Drew me to the show, but also what made him become so popular mm. um he wasn't just a hunk with muscles he had a brain and he's very eloquent as well yet away with words he is and um i thought it was a very uh good pick uh by channel 10 excellent because i would walk to work and as you walk down downtown chinatown before the bachelor or the stray bachelor anyway started mm. there's this big banner of him every single day so i'll be walking and i'll be seeing his face every single day and i just thought that is a very attractive young man mm. i think i'm gonna to have to watch this year's bachelor because for the last two i didn't was and why was that I don't, I don't i don't know i think i probably didn't connect with them mm. they weren't my type of guys i suppose why do you why didn't you connect with them because um, they weren't intelligent like no i got into intelligence i guess uh the personality uh, mm. And also their looks. So the whole the show is you know very superficial. Yeah, that's why when I saw Matt, I was like, this is a guy that I would actually like to watch. <laughs> but you know, my the the question I always have in my mind is, you know, these women or these men walk into the show not knowing. A lot of them don't know who's who's going to be there, who's going to be the bachelor, the bachelorette, and they have to stay on the show. That's right the for the next time. six months. Oh, I don't know, three months to fall in love with this person but what if you don't hit it off in the first <laughs> you know um 
when you walk on that red carpet, what if you don't like them? You're kind of stuck there, right? <laughs> I know. And what if you brought, you know, your favorite thing to them? And can you imagine and say, oh, and you get shot down, it's like, oh, this is actually not working. You well, haven't really made an impression on me. Well, actually, speaking of presence on the first meeting, <laughs> remember, um, so I remember on the first episode of The New Bachelorette with Angie, um, one of the guys, I forgot his name, I'm sorry, but his family owned a meat pie. Oh, that guy, yeah. Right? A meat pie company. And he brought a meat pie and he was so excited, but he soon realized that she was vegetarian. And <laughs> he was just like, oh, both of them were just, oh. And it fell flat. But it, it did. <laughs> yeah. It was so sweet. You know, he, he's brought something that's so dear to him. And obviously they don't tell him this kind of information. Yeah, it was beforehand. a nice gesture. It totally was. But I think in last night's episode, she actually went on a date with him. Ooh. So she does have a keen interest. Um, but from all the discussion and gossip from the boys in the house, uh, they say that Angie may have an issue. She's an ageist. So mm. she's, I think, 28 or 29 and he's 24. 25 so she, he's a little bit younger than her so she that might be the only thing that's going to pull her um, that's surprising because my impression of her always on goggle box or what, mm. whatnot was that she's a very open-minded person and i guess she gives us gives off that impression by being really bubbly and yes. la-di-da um but I think there is more than meets the eye with a lot of these people. You just never know, right? Yeah. So what I'm wondering is, mm. so Vicky, you've got a man, yes. but why do you keep watching The Bachelor and The Bachelorette? That's a really good question. You know, I a lot of people ask me, like, why would you be interested? You're not even single anymore. <laughs> and I said, it's not about that. It, this, it's, it's more about the, uh, I'd like perceiving, I like observing these social behaviors. And what have you observed from the show? I mean, first of all, um, you really question how real everything is, right? And so you have to be careful with that because you don't want to believe everything you watch. But at the same time, it's all you're given. So it's what you really, how you interpret, how you choose to interpret it. And how I choose to interpret all of it is I, I just kind of take it with a grain of salt, mm -hmm. like whatever I'm watching. And, and I kind of watch it and I think, well... It's amazing how some of these women, the lengths they go to, the, the lengths these women and men go to for attention. Yes. From someone they barely know. And the attachment as well. The attachment with with very little interaction. And, you know, from day one till the final rose ceremony, you at most you get three, four dates. Yes. And then you're supposed to get some sort of promise ring. And yet they always say, I, I feel I felt like on that day we really connected or that moment we spent together. Do you think maybe because um, it's a, such a social experiment and that there's competition and because of competition, that's really driving you wanting something because you know everybody else wants it. So there is a bit of that, um, I think, but based on my read of a lot of these women from The Bachelor, mm seemed like they really were genuinely into Matt. Yeah, he, he was he was a sweetheart. I think he was a 10 out of 10 for me on all aspects. <laughs> yeah, look, he, he's definitely a catch, um, at least. Um, he takes a lot of women's boxes. And, um, and for example, Abby Chatfield, she was the runner-up to Chelsea McLeod. And I feel like she, everyone thought she just wanted to win. Mm, I got that feeling too. 
and um, she, you know, she, she didn't. Got, and she got a lot of um, bagging out from the social yes. media uh, platforms. And there was I, a I'm lot sure. of debate, mm. and look, even I, I questioned whether or not it was fair because. You know, she was um, definitely very confident of her sexuality. Yeah. You know, she was like trying. There's a lot of sexual uh, <laughs> chemistry between the two. Yeah, for sure. she wasn't shy about it. And a part of me is like, "Go, girl, you go, mm. girl." But the other part of me is like, "Whoa, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't do that." So even I got, I learned things about myself through watching the show. Like, why do I react that way? Am I really that conservative? Mm. You know, and. And we're supposed to be championing strong women, women who are confident about their bodies. And, and they know so, what they want. Exactly. So why is it, it that a part of me judges that? Yeah. And that's uncomfortable, I think, for, for some people. And, and for me too, when I realised that. But um, in the end, I think she, most people, based on reading a lot of the um, social media comments, I think most people think, you know, at least she was being true to herself. That is the most important thing. That's right. Yeah, so I I don't think she was trying to win the game. I think she genuinely had feelings for him. Yeah. Unless she's a really, really good actress. Well, they do put those uh, kind of characters up there just for entertainment value. You look at Sophie Monk. She was the uh, Bachelorette, I think. I watched uh, that season. Yeah, it was apparently the highest rating season. It's because she was um, a celebrity. Yeah. Right? But... I was really disappointed by her choice um, and a lot of people speculated because um, he was the rich guy and yeah. the rich older man <laughs> and that's what she always wanted. Look, I don't know if that's true or not, um, but I think it's always people want, it's almost like the audience always wants the woman to go with her heart mm. and Sophie Monk apparently went with her head <laughs> and look, they didn't work out in the end, but um you know, it's their life in the end. I don't know how much say we have over it. No, and it's it's really amazing as well because as part of this, I did some research uh, into yes. success rates. Right. Yeah, and so it's what really are the numbers? So as you know about the Bachelor and Bachelor, the whole franchise start off in the US. Yes. And so the US would be the longest running um, the TV TV shows, and so they've had twenty three seasons of the Bachelor in the US. And it's only 8.7% success rate. In the US. In the US. And when I mean success rate, I mean they uh, stuck together since the show and they've either married or they've had ch- and children or and or children. Interesting. And you know what the uh, bachelor success no, rate is? No, please Australia indulge is? me. No, 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 take a guess. Take a guess. Like? Including including Matt, the, the, um, the last one, out of seven seasons. Uh, like 20%? Higher. 30. Higher. 50. 57%. Oh, my goodness. That's that's pretty good. Considering that is really impressive. I know. So clearly in Australia there's there's more genuine um, mm. outlook and people who have got well, the bachelors who go on the show, they actually want to find love, which I think is endearing. So I think I've watched a couple of seasons of uh, the US Bachelorette and The Bachelor. Yeah. I've watched Rachel Lindsay's season um, I forgot the other guy's name, Nick Vile, uh, Nick Vile season. And it is a very, and I've watched it with my family as well. And we make comments <laughs> and imagine watching this with like a Chinese this get mom. really uncomfortable. It when does, especially out. when they make out and it gets real steamy. But, you know, the, the, the differences that I've noticed is that in the US ones, 
um, there's a lot more cattiness. Mm. There's a lot. I mean, it exists in the Australian seasons too. Oh, especially right now with The Bachelor, the boys are getting very catty and jealous. Definitely. But I'm impressed. <laughs> even with the last season though, which I didn't fully get to watch because it's not on Australian telly, um, is Hannah Brown. Mm. Hannah Brown season where, you know, she's a Christian woman from the South, I think. The yeah. South or, or anyway, and... Mm. You know, she was getting hot and heavy with a lot of these men and she was getting a lot of hate online or judgment. And then the men kind of defended her mm. as well. But I like how it does spark a lot of debates because it makes people think about what their values are or to fight for their own values in these spheres of, yeah. of dating or love or whatnot. Um, it's just really hard to tell what's real or not. But. Yeah. And it's it's also very interesting because you and I, we both come from um, an Asian background, but, you know, very Australian, grew mm, up here our yeah. lives. And yet there's so little Asian repre- representation on, so the, on The Bachelor. And I think at the moment there's only one guy, I think he's from, from a South Asian uh, background um, for, the, for a- Angie. And, in fact, there were no representation at all for Matt's episode of The Bachelor. No, you're right. Any Asian representation on the Australian Bachelor or Bachelorette? Uh, so in the former, uh, a few seasons ago, there was um, a half, I think she's half, Austra- half Australian, half Chinese, called Vanessa Sunshine. <laughs> what a lovely name. Yeah. Was she uh, beaming all the time? Yeah, she was quite um, an interesting character because she was so unimpressed by The Bachelor. See, I don't even, I forgot his name. Um, but she was so unimpressed and she wanted to leave. Yeah. You know, and um, she was the only Asian or half Asian, mm. um, you know, contender on the mm. show that I remember. But since then, None in the last two seasons. None in Matt's season. None in Angie's season. And even if there are... Actually, no, there's one in Angie's season. Oh, right, yeah. the South Asian. Yeah. Sorry, I forgot his name. But... <laughs> well, um, you made that joke where the, uh, I think the producer... The brother. The brother, he goes, well, it's definitely not me. <laughs> and yeah, I yeah. Laugh so hard. <laughs> I laughed at that part too. But I remember, right, um, you know, even when they do put in an Asian person into the mm. show, and I noticed this in the US too, is... It's almost like they're there as a token mm. to, to, you know, but they don't, they usually get kicked off within the first uh, round. Is, is that because, do you think that, um, you know, Asian cultures, to go on a show like this, to be publicly presented in this way, it's, it's a bad rap for the family and a bad rap in general? I've thought about this. Mm. Um, I think there's a, definitely a bit of pride mm. uh, amongst Asian families and Chinese, from experience, Chinese families in particular. So the question of why isn't there the bachelor or the bachelorette in Asia right now? And I thought about this. I really think it's because there's a bit of shame, Mm. you know, oh, like I'm exposed to everyone. You know, I shouldn't have to, if I'm really that great, I shouldn't have to kind of sell myself on TV. Yeah. Um, So it's kind of... Yeah, it's an awkward... Um... It is an awkward situation because um, 
apparently the Chi- the Chinese took on the Bachelor franchise, and I think it only went for one year, and they see. I didn't even it. know about that. Yeah, there are not many um countries in Asia who've taken it on. So apparently Japan is onto the second season. Oh. Yeah, and I watched a little bit of it, and it was just really really cute. Like um, you know how <laughs> we're exposed to the American and Australian version where there's full on makeout sessions. Mm. There's a lot of talking about feelings and also talking about um, uh, just more than your usual, um, something that you would do in a normal relationship. But the Japanese one, the guy and the girls, when they kiss, they just kiss each other on the cheek and that was it. Innocent peck. Yeah, it, it was. It, it's adorable and innocent. But at the same time, I'm like, this is some. if let's say um, The Bachelor did make out with one of The Bachelorettes on nas- national TV, I don't think the Japanese um, public would um, appreciate that kind of flaunting. Behavior. I think it's it's really important to think about con- like cultural context mm. and um, you know the Bachelor as a franchise is very successful in the West, mm. um, but you know it wouldn't work for every Asian kind of audience and particularly Japan where they're traditionally more mm. conservative you know and i remember we talked about terrace house oh, which is which i which i love which um, is about dating right no actually it's a show about initially the first season um, my boyfriend introduced me to the show and he said it's a show about dreams where young mm. people talk about dreams but now it's kind of morphed into this dating show and um it's you know, it's kind of a bit too dainty right now, but when, whenever they, they start talking about dreams, I'm hooked back in again mm. because it shouldn't all be about dating and there's only, what, eight people in the house. You have very limited choice. <laughs> um, so sometimes when I think they connect, I, I question if it's just out of loneliness because there's no one else. And you have to be forced into this environment and the producer, like uh, apparently, it's it, they they say it's non scripted, but in a way, I, I think I think the producer or the upper level would say, hey, look, try and make the show a little more entertaining. Try Definitely. and take someone out, one of your uh, housemates out for a dinner or a snack. Just to see, maybe there might be a spark. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm d- definitely. Even mm. though they say unscripted, there's, I'm sure there's a bit of prodding here and there. Yeah. But um, I do. What I do like about Terrace House is that it's very nuanced and it's more, it's very subtle. Everything's very subtle and understated, and you kind of have to watch carefully to really mm. appreciate um, all of the little bits and bobs, you know. And the little comments and the way they look at somebody else or yeah. how they react. It's definitely very different to Big Brother. It is. <laughs> Big Brother was like 10, 15 years ago. And yeah. It was just, I no, felt it's like. It's still going apparently. It's still going. Oh, my Big gosh. Big Brother franchise is still going strong apparently. I uh, did I not In know the that. Philippines, it's big in the Philippines. See, I just feel like with Big Brother, it's like they have a CCTV. And Everywhere. you're just watching the CCTV, you know, whereas with Terrace House, they'll kind of zoom in on your face when you have a particular expression or, mm. I don't know, it's just, it's filmed so well. And I love the commentators. I feel like they add so much depth and they make you think about things you didn't think about. Yeah. You know. Um, what I, because you introduced me to this. Yeah. Uh, Terrace House. And so comparing that to Big Brother, comparing that to Bachelor, Bachelorette, I found the Terrace House as a, as a very um, gentle, mm. thoughtful, and 
uh, provocative show and endearing as well. Yes. And the type of commentary uh, provided by the um, I would I would judges, but they're able to make fun of particular situations. However, they're not crass about it, and they do it in a way that it, it makes you really love the characters in in the house. Definitely. But sometimes you kind of feel sorry because someone may have overreacted, and but that's being human. It's about the interaction of people sharing a house, which mm. normally in Japan they don't share houses together, right? Yes, exactly. So this is a social experiment um, that's. Um, that is kind of breaking a new barrier for the Japanese culture. Exactly. And, you know, some of the comments made between the women this season mm. in Tokyo, mm. um, the Tokyo edition. The girl fight. The girl fight episode. between Haruka Ooh. and Risako. Oh, wow. And Haruka, after the fight, said, you know, I don't think I would be friends with this person had I not moved into Terrace House, mm. which, which is true. Like, a lot of these people wouldn't have met if they didn't move into Terrace House. Um, but it's, it, it is a huge social experiment. And, and the, it's a fun experiment. It's so fun. And, you know, you've got musicians, mm. artists, uh, models. They usually, It's usually these people. I've watched previous seasons. And, the creatives. And uh, my boyfriend and I used to say, like, or he used to say as well, <laughs> oh, like, they're too good looking. It's going to be so boring. You know, you've got to throw someone more interesting into the mix. Um, but I find that, you know, with this season, I really like, like the young kid as well. He's mm. 20 years old. That's right. The shy one who goes red whenever he talks exactly. to a girl. At first, I thought it was just a ruse. You know, when he said, oh, I'm really shy, and I thought it was just an act. But mm. over time, it's very endearing because it's so genuine. And I like that. In Japan, there's a very nurturing kind of culture, it seems. Yeah. All the women are helping him, you know, figure out who he is yeah. in a very nurturing way, not in a critical way. Mm. And I think the commentators, they do that too, and that's mm. why we love them. Um, they're like, oh, you know, we noticed this about this person. If only they did it this way. Yeah. They wouldn't say they shouldn't have done it this way. Yeah. Um, which I really like. It's more constructive than critical. De definitely more constructive and trying to bring harmony to a yes. house as opposed to, you know, if you compare it to Big Brother or The Bachelor, that's going to be cat fights and you have, you know, uh, derogatory turns thrown at each other yes. or some sort of drama like OTT, yeah. Kardashian style. I feel like Australian audi audiences or the, the audiences feed on mm. the drama, whereas in Japan there is a sense that they genuinely, like you said, want to create a sense of harmony mm. in the house. But they're also very open-minded where if the two get do two girls don't get along, they don't get along. Mm. Like, that's fine They're too. like the same guy. They talk about it. They they do have a fight. But then I, I was so impressed that the next day both of them had time away from each other, talk about the problems, and then they actually wanted to confront one another and say, yes. hey, I apologize for the way I behaved. So reconciliation is really important. It is. Um, however, I have noticed comments here and there and it, it's something that I think about too is are they re reconciling mm. for the audiences yeah. or is it real reconciliation they're seeking? Because when Risako reached out to Haruka the next day, mm. Haruka's like, you don't need to make amends with me. Like, we don't need to be friends. Mm. You know, and I thought, whoa. She, she, she's pretty, she's so full on. She speaks her mind. Yeah. <laughs> and... In Risako, is she the, she's the Pakwa. Yeah, she's amazing. She's a yoga teacher and a Pakwa yeah. um, artist, artist yeah. and she's twenty one. 
I love and, her. She, and now she's dating um, the oldest guy in the house. Kenny. Kenny, Kenny exactly. The, the, the one that, he, he looks so aloof all the time. He's like, huh, what's going on? I actually don't <laughs> like Kenny because I feel like he lacks, and I think I've been influenced by the commentators yeah. and that he lacks that depth. To, I, maybe it's because all the other characters have such depth that he doesn't really compare maybe not yet because how many episodes is it usually for um terrace houses about 30 or 40 episodes or oh, i can go on to yeah. for even longer but so, it hasn't yeah. even ended yet i'm i'm on the latest episode which is episode nine i'm waiting for 19 19 oh wow that many <laughs> i think i only got to like episode 11 yeah <laughs> so oh, and wow. you've been to watch yeah, I try to binge watch as much as I could. It's so addictive. <laughs> and it was so like I, I love the Japanese language. Like uh, it's just it's so hey, Yeah. So so ne. Yes, we're we're like sometimes with the Chinese. You know, you and I, you know, we've we come up we've grown up from Chinese family. It's like people are screaming at each other, but when they're actually saying Hello, how's your day? Especially well, Shanghainese. <laughs> it's like you're arguing all the time. Exactly. And, but in Japan, everything is so durable and, and endearing, you yeah. know? It's so Polite. gentle. Yeah. So oh, gentle. Gentle. Whereas the Chinese is like, you know, you're having a walk, you know, you're speaking in a way like, as if you're having a walk, but really just having a conversation about, hey, how's your day? Want to yeah. eat some chips? <laughs> and I actually think, um, you know, so the commentators say said that they have a global audience now. Mm, they do. And I think it's great that it's per- like... On Netflix, that's why. <laughs> yeah, their gentleness has permeated, yeah. you know, globally. And that's that's a good thing because, you know, Terrace House has really made me think about it more deeply about social problems that I don't normally think about. Mm. You know, uh, for example, when Shawhair... You know how they had that conversation during the Tempura episode? Oh, the Tempura episode. The Tempura episode <laughs> um, where Shohei said, you know, I don't have one life goal, I have many. And then all the other people weighed in. Mm. I thought that was really interesting because you don't have to agree on everything, you know, to yeah. be friends. You don't have to agree on everything. And, and I love how he used the analogy of Tempura. tempura. <laughs> it's like, well, if you had Tempura all the time, you want, you'll get sick of it, right? So that's like sticking to one thing. <laughs> exactly. And then the commentators totally, like, shut, shut that down, down yeah. shut him down. And I was like, well, actually, you know, I didn't think it was a horrible analogy. And actually it makes you realise the power of the commentators, mm. like the influence they have mm. on the audience. It really coloured my view. And... I think there's nothing wrong with his view of being an expert in multiple things or going through life. No. Because at the moment, we're going through a generation where we're going to change careers. Yeah. 11 times now? Exactly. Yeah, so that's that's like having um, a bowl of different types of tempura. Yeah, (laughs) that's a great analogy, you know, and I think it was all of them against him. Mm. And he must have felt so alone in that because – and I – I think the way the world's going, you know, he's onto something there. Yeah. And, um, and it sounds like, oh, wait a second, no, the other one, she travelled to France, I believe, as the illustrator, but he went to Taiwan and got, so they, they have, they are worldly people. So perhaps, perhaps he just likes to be a multitasker. Yeah. yeah. And as someone who's good at a bit of everything mm. and the illustrator girl, Kaori. Yeah. Um, she, she later, and I think you watched the episode already, mm. she talks about, She's actually the only one who doesn't talk about dating very much. Yeah. She talks about her dreams of being an illustrator and, you know, she got really emotional over it, which baffled me. I was like, what is she getting so emotional about? Turns out she got all these job offers 
but she felt like she didn't deserve them. Mm. And it made me realise, like, Japanese people are so modest and humble to the point where they're crying because they're getting too much attention yeah. and feel so undeserving. Almost like she has, like, confidence issues. issues. Yeah, it's, it's almost like... I think a lot of Asian cultures have that. It's like, um, it's not maybe it's not a confidence issue. It, it has something to do with, um, I'm not sure how to express it. It's like, it's self doubt. Self self doubt. You feel like a bit of a fraud sometimes, yeah. you know. And I don't know. I was just really surprised when I saw that, um, you know. And I thought it was very humbling mm. watching that because it makes me realize a lot of people we know of bit overconfident about their abilities. <laughs> they didn't even have multiple job offers and, you know, no yeah. way would they act the way she's acting. Yeah. Maybe she's just like a quiet achiever. She is definitely mm. a quiet achiever, yeah. yeah. And I really like her, but she was criticised later on in the episodes for being a bit too quiet. Mm. <laughs> so you'll be damned if you do, you'll be damned <laughs> if you don't. <laughs> so either way you lose. Oh... Uh. Are there any other Asian dating shows that mm. uh, are similar or if not as crazy? So in the past, you know, when I lived in China, I was much more exposed to these dating shows because it was all over TV. So I I watched Fei Cheng Wu Rao, which also shows on SBS and here mm. in Australia. And there's great Fei translations. Fei Wu Rao, which is uh, If, if you, you Are The, the one. one. That's right. <laughs> and uh, Bali Tiao Yi, mm-hmm. which is pick one out of 100. And If You Are The One <clears throat> gained a lot of popularity, you know, because 30 women, one man, or or the other, vice versa. Vice versa, that's right. But because it lost the trust of its viewers... Um, because the rumours went around that all the women were paid mm, to be there yes. and they purposely chose each other mm. to win the trip just for a free trip, yeah, right? Yeah, to Greek islands, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. exactly. So That'd because be nice. of that, you think, well, what I'm watching isn't genuine, might as well not watch it. And mm. a lot of the people there were just fame-hungry. So, and some of the wonderful things that they talk it's, it's like a it's one of those shows where you get completely shot down so you can say whatever's on your mind it can be as brutal as you want and you get shot down you get completely shot down yeah. I, I, the, the term the really famous term i'd rather um be on the back of a. Um, I'd rather be uh, starving in a BMW. Ugh. Oh, I'd rather be starring than um, than to be on the back of a motorbike. Or yes, something like yes, that. exactly. Yeah. I'd be star. Is it starving in a BMW than to be back of a motorbike? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, that term was made famous through that show, <laughs> and it's it's important because it it kind of gives you an insight into the values of a lot of women that go on the show. Mm. You know, not. I'm not saying all of them have mm. this kind of um, maybe just aspiration. Yeah. But a lot of women in China, particularly, and and look, I've lived in China for five years, and I'm from Shanghai. Lived in Beijing. You know what they say about Shanghai girls? Exactly. We, <laughs> Very we, superficial. We cop a lot of uh, a lot of unfair. You know. And you're nothing like that. You're very genuine. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but the common thing is. Um, that is said about a lot of Chinese women nowadays in the West or even in China, to be honest, Mm. is that they're all looking for a man with a house and a car. Um, And without those, you're not even 
you know, you don't even bother. Yeah. <laughs> so um, there's a lot of competition, I guess, over there. A lot of well. competition, a lot mm. of pressure for the men mm. and uh, the women. You know, that's why plastic surgery is so common now because women feel like there's a certain type of woman mm. that these men like. Yeah, which is modern of the Koreans. Exactly. They've made uh, plastic surgery well, a phenomenon, really. <laughs> definitely. And, you know, just because you touched on that, I think it was yesterday or the day before that um, the news broke of a major K-pop star hanging herself yes, in, so in her apartment. And she had, what, 6 million followers on Instagram. She advocated for a lot of, you know, um, female social mm. rights, like going braless. Mm. Um, That's pretty brave for a Korean It is. Culture. And she kissed another female on the lips and copped a lot of crap for that too. Yeah. And she probably got cyberbullied all the time. Yeah. And all people the don't realise the effect that has on the, the psyche. Yeah. <laughs> and um, she took her own life and she's one of many, many K-pop stars that have done that. And, you know, in Korea having eyelid surgery or any sort of mm. surgery is very common. Yeah. It's like when you turn 16, you get a new nose for your birthday or something. <laughs> a new nose for your birthday? Yeah. Where's my nose? I'm not Korean, exactly. I guess. That's why. <laughs> it's just so common and it's it's um, it's scary how normalised it is. Yeah. When you yeah. walk on the streets of Seoul, every street there will be a cosmetic, mm. um, you know, clinic. Was it? I don't know. What was it? The, the uh, South Korean Miss South Korea competition. I think they they had this competition where all the girls end up looking exactly the same, and so they weren't able to choose a winner or something along those lines. Well, ironically, for those beauty pageants, you're not supposed to have surgery on yeah, your face, right. and ironically, most of the women have. And I personally know of a case of someone who joined who got surgery. Yeah. Very very subtle, but that still counts. Yeah, and um. It's, yeah, it's it's a shame, but, you know, it's each to their own, I guess. And I've asked a lot of males about how they feel about females or their girlfriends getting surgery. And, yeah. you know, a lot of them are quite nonchalant about it. Like, uh, I guess, you know, if, they, if that makes them feel better. But I'm like, my personal view is, you know, wouldn't you see that as, a, as someone who doesn't have enough confidence? Mm, I, I, I've known a few girls who've had plastic surgery and it actually, it, it, it might resound with that, but then after they had the surgery, they became more confident. Yes. It was something that, that was lacking in their life. They felt like they weren't being a woman, which is, you know, maybe having, um, breasts. So this, well, this is only from one example because, you know, I've, I've spoken to her, uh, you know, quite a bit. And she she was so happy when she got it. She goes, I feel so confident now. And she felt like a woman. Mm, <laughs> yeah. That's a good point, I guess. Mm. I never thought of it that way. And I just think it, it because after one of um someone I know went to Korea, got surgery and then came back and said, Oh, after I got it, I felt great, but then I saw more problems. Uh. And there's this kind of addiction. Oh, That's right, to be perfect. Yes, because they're like, oh, suddenly they see all these flaws and, like, I can just fix that. I could just go to a doctor and have him cut it out. Yeah. Or liposuck my stomach out. Exactly. And I think that's the more dangerous mm. part. Um, you know, I think I don't I don't judge people for wanting to enhance 
their natural assets, <laughs> but I think it's the addiction part and just thinking, stop. just, you know, th- throwing money at a problem or, or thinking that um, looks at everything, you know. Yeah, but then, you know, for somebody who, you know, goes and get plastic surgery and then they get reinforcement from other women and men going, oh, wow, you know, you, you look gorgeous now. Mm. That kind of um, keeps the that perpetuates. Yeah, exactly. The problem, which is, oh, I'm only loved if I look a certain way. Yeah. So you might end up more lonely after. I'm not saying everyone, Mm. but, you know, I think I would have that fear. Oh, I'll suddenly get all this validation post-surgery. But what about before I got surgery? Yeah. You know, who was I then? That's the real me. Yeah. So So, um, I'm going to wrap it up by saying uh, I reckon if you ever become single again, I reckon you make a great bachelorette for Australia. And I think it's about time that they normally had some Asian representation with a bit of Aussie, with a bit of Aussie uh, background as well. Madam Chen, um, I actually think, you know, contrary to what you believe, I actually think you would make a spectacular <laughs> bachelorette, more so than me, because not only Why? are you the perfect fusion of Australian and Chinese. I sound like a food. <laughs> A delicious spring roll. Filled with beef. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And a bit of cheese. Mm, And maybe some cracked pepper and some zest. Yes. Mm. And um, the reason why I say that is because, (laughs) you know, you've got you've got both cultures down pat, but you know, you're such a strong you know, independent woman. And, you know, a lot of men should not be intimidated by that. Oh, but they do. They get but very they intimidated. do. But I actually think you'd make a solid bachelorette. <laughs> like, I mean it, not just because you said that to me. I mean it. I think I'd probably make a few of them cry. They'd probably walk out. And that would make for great entertainment value, don't you think? <laughs> Channel 10 would love you. <laughs> oh, well, let's... That's it. <laughs> let's put that on hold. <laughs> I think you've had too much of the virgin lychee mojitos. They were too delicious, seriously. (laughs) The best lychee mojitos since Beijing. Since Beijing days. And did we have some really good times there? We did. Two years worth of fun together. But that's for another time. So (laughs) on that note, thank you so much for being here. No, it was a pleasure to be here. I'm so glad we had this lovely batchy session. Yes, and happy to continue uh, on... um, more of this lovey stuff in the near future. Why not? We can do episodes about our romantic adventures. Yes, exactly. I'm looking forward to it, <laughs> Madam <here>. Chen. <laughs> Same here. Thanks, Vicky. Thank you. Back right out. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's podcast. For the latest updates and posts, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you love it as much as Captain Bagrat and I do, uh, please support us on Patreon, where we hope that our dream of having our own TV show will become a reality one day. So then we can continue to fight boring news on everything, anything, and nothing with an Asian twist. Thanks for your support. Bagrat out. Solid. <laughs>